There was this incident in Utah. Here's Glenn. Uh, a couple weeks back. You might have seen a YouTube video. Wiggle it just a little bit. Two guys are standing in a park and they push over a rock formation <laughs> that was millions of years old. <laughs> kind of horrible. But we were reading about it and saw that the rock formation is called a hoodoo. It's a word we've never seen before. On the line with us now is Marcus Key. He's a professor of earth sciences at Dickinson College. So, so Marcus, what is a hoodoo? So a uh, hoodoo is a, a really interesting-looking erosional remnant that forms in certain climates when you have uh, very flat-lined sediments. Okay. So okay. the definition is a fantastic column, pinnacle, or pillar of rock produced in a region of sporadic heavy rainfall by differential weathering or erosion of horizontal strata, facilitated by joints and by layers of varying hardness and occurring in varied and often eccentric or grotesque forms. Now, th- that's the official definition, and you said it's fantastic? Yeah. That's, is that a word geologists use? No. <laughs> you, you're, you would not be allowed to use that on one of the papers that you turned in for my class. All right. Where does, the ter- where does hoodoo come from? Did someone just make that up? Uh, the etymology here just says African. Okay from its fancied resemblance to animals and embodied evil spirits. Okay, now I perused the internet and I found a bunch of uh, geology terms that I had never seen before. Uh-huh. And I emailed them to you. And uh, if you would, uh, use them all in a single sentence for me. Well, I, 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 I'll do that, but I want to drop three of them. I can't use three of them. Which ones are you dropping? Crozel. Horse beans and <laughs> geophantasmogram. I've never heard of them, and so I wouldn't know how to use them in a in a, in a sentence. Isn't the crossel the stuff you wake up in the morning? It's in the corner of your eyes. <laughs> I think that might be it. Yeah, it's not an earth science term. All right, so I think though that that leaves still nine words in in the list I sent you. Yeah, and right. I knew all of them uh-huh. except for fairy chimney. I had to <laughs> look that one up, and it turns out fairy chimney is just a French literal translation of their equivalent of hoodoo. Well, let's, let's hear your sentence. Okay, so the words I'm going to use are chert, coquina, fairy chimney, inselberg, melange, batholith, black smoker, facies, and gabbro. The okay. deeply weathered melange of batholith-derived gabbro blocks that interfingered with the chert and coquina facies formed a fairy chimney, better known as a hoodoo, shaped like a black smoker that was so big it approached Inselberg proportions. Wow. If you said that to another knowledgeable geologist, it, it would make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, it's a very, I mean, Hemingway never would have written the sentence, right? but I was able to get all the words in. You, you included the word batholith, which yeah. sounds like a Castilian trying to say basilisk. Yosemite. You guys been to Yosemite? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that big uh, vertical face at Yosemite? Yeah. That's uh, half of a batholith. Half a batholith. Half a batholith. Well, this has been uh, really educational. Thanks, Marcus. Well, I hope it was beneficial. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to know when your milk is weird. But first... Hi, Jamie. What can we help you with? Well, I have never seen Star Trek, 
But I feel like it's kind of a cultural phenomenon that everybody else has seen, and I feel like I'm missing out on something. So I've been wanting to get into it. Wait, now, when you say you've never seen Star Trek, uh, uh-huh. like not Next Generation, not original series, movies, no, nothing? No, nothing. There was, I think I saw the first, like, five to ten minutes of one of the movies once, and then mm. I... I fell asleep. Uh, I think one of the newer movies, but really that's it. I have not seen anything. Well, now, I understand that that's a situation that maybe you want to fix, but you're also in kind of a pure state. And are you (laughs) sure you want to give that up? Yeah, I I really, I feel like I I miss out on cultural references Mm -hmm. and I, I feel like I can't talk to my friends at parties if they're talking about it. That's interesting. I mean, so if I said, uh, if I said, if we were talking and I was like, uh-huh. oh man, beam me up, Scotty, would you have any idea what that meant? I know it's from Star Trek. How about if Ian was like, well, I'm going to beam myself out of here, live long and prosper. I know that's like a phrase from Star Trek. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, do you have something else then that uh, while other people are really into Star Trek, you're really into to this other thing? Um, I, I am into Doctor Who, which is a okay. similar kind of like mini series year long kind of deal. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, kind of specifically, what what can we do for you? What what do you want from us? I just need some tips on how to get into the show. Where do I start if I want to? It's just there's so much of it right. and I don't even know. I'm not even sure how many series there are. I know there's like at least two. I think I think if we think about Star Trek as kind of nerd jazz, mm-hmm. it's like if you uh-huh. go to the record store and you look at and you don't know jazz, you go to the jazz section, you're going to be completely overwhelmed. Yeah. So we <laughs> need to find that kind of kind of blue, right? Entry yeah. level Star Trek uh, series or episode. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. So we're gonna we'll run a level one, level two diagnostic on this, and we'll get back to you, Jamie. Was was that a Star Trek reference? <laughs> yeah. You know who'd be perfect for this? Uh, Commander William T. Riker. Jonathan Frakes is the actor who played Commander William T. Riker of the Starship Enterprise on Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, before we start this interview, we, we need you to stop the podcast and go to YouTube and search for a video that's called Riker Sits Down. That's R-I-K-E-R, Riker Sits Down. Uh, it's important that you do this now. We'll also put the video on our website, howtodoeverything.org. So go ahead, we'll wait. All right, Jonathan Frakes is on the line with us now. Jonathan, you heard Jamie's problem. What do you think? Oh, boy. You don't want to be glib. You don't want to be too self-serving. The obvious answer is to start at the beginning. And I don't think she needs... I mean, I love them all, obviously, but the Star Trek that is quoted and part of the zeitgeist and part of the popular culture is the Star Trek of Captain Kirk or Captain Picard. Right, right. If you really boiled it down to the rue, that's yeah. always the argument. Who's, who's, which captain is tougher, which captain is smarter, who would you rather serve under? It really is. There's Kirk's Star Trek and there's Picard's yeah. Star Trek. Well, maybe the thing to do for Jamie, maybe what she should do is... We should uh, we should queue up one original series episode, right? One next generation episode. Right. She can choose her captain and then proceed from there. That's brilliant. 
let me ask you this. Was there, now, you know, you had your traditional uniform that you were in most episodes, but there were all sorts of different things. You'd end up in native dress. You'd end up in weird, like, dress uniforms. We had a dress uniform that was actually a dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was there anything that they brought it to you and you were like, oh, come on? I hated my uniform. The, my spacesuit was, was my nemesis. Well, first of all, it was skin tight. It made you sweat. Secondly, I got fat around the third or fourth season sent <laughs> to the gym. But those clothes, they just don't, they don't quite make any sense because there it is. You're, you're, otherwise, you're, you're buttoned down. you got your, your red uniform or whatever. But then you, the only now, alternative. Let me ask you, why were there no pockets? How come right. You, how do you work with no pockets in the 24th century? Yeah, what, what, what happened along the, the evolutionary line of clothing where they decided pockets were no longer necessary? And one of the great adventures of all time. The pocket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 16, 1698. <laughs> By Ernest Pocket. Okay, one last Star Trek question. Fair enough. There was a, a recent video that went around uh, called Riker Sits Down. Wow. Have Did you that seen go this? viral or what? What's, what happened there? That, at one point in one room, there was a chair that had virtually no back. Like a stool? Like, sort of like a stool, but with a mini back on it. And because I'm 6'4", I was able to, you know, mount it like a horse. Right. And then it became a thing. And then I, until I saw that uh, YouTube, I had no concept that I had done it that many times. And now I'm so grateful that it has become a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Were you the only one? Did anyone else on the, in the cast uh, sit like that? Usually if you got a bit like that in early, nobody could steal it from you. Oh, so th- you, you knew it was a funny thing when you were doing it. Oh, yeah. Were there, uh, were there bits that belonged to other people on... on uh... The, the... We used to fight for our arm position on the bridge, and Worf generally got the uh, folded arms in front, <laughs> which left us with very few choices. One was the uh, hands together behind. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And, and the bad choice always, which Patrick, I had to talk Patrick out of tens of to- hundreds of times, was arms akimbo, where you put both hands yeah. on your hips. Yes. I said, Patrick, nobody, even you, can pull off arms akimbo. So if, Dor- if you come on the stage and Doran had his arms crossed on his chest, you knew you couldn't double that one up. Because, like, the director would be like, hey, we can't have two people that look like exactly. that. Exactly. Which is where I discovered the Riker, the full Riker, which is I put my leg up on a, anything. Oh. Sure. That's so, only, that's just so, because you had to not look like anybody else. You had to find your own place. Because <laughs> you stood around the whole f***ing time. There's no pocket. That was, the, that was another thing. Nobody, you couldn't put your hands in your pockets, which wow. is, a, you know, a great acting choice. Tried and true for, for 100 years with yeah. putting your hands in your pockets. Yeah, they took away one of your tools. One of your acting tools, exactly, out of the toolbox. <laughs> well, Jonathan, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time and uh, for helping Jamie. Anything I could do to help. <laughs> As many of you know, the National High School Competitive Dairy Tasting Championships are this week in Kentucky. Erica Peterson uh, coaches a high school team from Connecticut. She's on the line with us now. So, Erica, what what kind of things are the uh, the tasters uh, t- tasting for? It can be oxidized. It can be rancid. It can be foreign. It can be um, garlic is another one. Garlic? Yep. The milk co- comes out of the cow tasting like garlic? Gar- garlic is a feed-related um, taste. So oh. if the cows are eating a certain type of feed, it can present itself as 
garlic, like a garlicky flavor in milk. So so somebody at this competition uh, would sit down and uh, what, would somebody give them a glass of milk and they take a sip and have to identify if there's a problem with it? So there's usually 10 samples and there's jugs of milk, so like gallons of milk okay. laid out. And the kids actually taste the milk at room temperature. And some kids don't taste it. Some kids do basically on just smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kid, my kids, they do both. I gotta say, garlic milk. It seems like it might be tasty, actually. Like uh, you know, <laughs> and like macaroni, making macaroni and cheese with garlic milk. That sounds like that could be all right. Oh, gross! All right. I think my I think my girls would differ on that. All right. Well, I have I have to ask if I went in there and I tried this without any formal training or any you know knowledge uh, going into it, would I taste these different uh, flaws in the milk? If I made them strong, yes, because okay. these kids who try out for my team have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Okay. This team that's competing tomorrow, I had eight kids try out for the team, and one of the girls. Really, really smart girl. Um, she's been on some of my other teams that I coach, and she just every practice she just could not. She would taste the milk, and she would say, "This tastes like milk, Miss P." Like, <laughs> wow. And I and I would make them really, really strong to start out with, you know. Yeah. And um, she just she couldn't taste it. She just didn't have the taste buds to do it. Okay, so however this goes. Um, you get through the competition, either you win or you don't. Uh, on your way home, the idea of a milkshake, is it, is it, have you just had too much? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They are done. They don't want to see cheese. They don't want to see milk for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck, uh, Erica, to, to you and your team. Thank you so much. Do you guys have a, like a ritual, a pregame ritual you do? Um, no, we don't actually. Mm. <laughs> we should probably come up with one. Yeah. We're going to get on that. Okay. Hi, my name is Kelsey. We are the Loyola Ramblers, and this is our milk cheer. Hey, hey, what do you say? We're here to test some milk today. Sip, sip, think, think, which one is the best to drink? We heard from Amanda. She says she listens to our show while commuting to her job at a spy agency. That's all she'd say. Amanda, these next 15 seconds are for you. I feel like we should maybe get a secret code in here for, oh. for Amanda. How would you do it? I already did. We are still collecting your Toilets of the Week. Get your nominations to howto at npr.org. All right, Dan, tell us about your toilet. It started life as an average porta potty on location at a trapeze rig. Ooh. And then uh, the beginning of September, which is when I started working there, one of my coworkers' girlfriends, who was also a regular uh, student at the rig, came in and took it upon herself to nice it up a little bit. She put in a mirror. Uh-huh. She brought hand sanitizer, some air freshener. In October, she came back again, and she haunted it. She brought in just, like, tons of fake cobwebs with the little plastic spiders. She hung a couple just sort of creepy photos in there with frames and everything. Uh, There's a severed hand stuck in some of the cobwebs. There's a tombstone. On the floor, um, there are two wicker baskets, and one is filled with doll heads, 
Okay. And the other basket is filled with the rest of the doll parts, all dismembered. Oh, wow. It's pretty creepy. I think that's so that's so great because, you know, there, there are parts of our lives that we just, uh, I think most of us just accept as they're going to be unpleasant, you know, uh, and we don't do anything to improve it because that's just the way it is. And I think that a, a Porter John is definitely one of one of the one of life's experiences that generally you think is just going to be horrible. Yeah, I mean, until this porta potty, the nicest thing I could say about a portable toilet was that it had been cleaned recently. And I don't think it's maybe outside the realm of uh, experience that people would have that they w- would have in any porta potty two wicker baskets filled with baby parts. <laughs> I'd say so. So you say this is part of a trap? It's at the trapeze rig. Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, we do lessons. And is it possible to um, go f- right from the trapeze? Uh, into the porta potty? Um, I don't think so. Well, here's one final question, and this really doesn't have to do with with toilets at all. But um, what's your favorite geological formation? Oh, that's going to have to be the uh, basilisk. Well, congratulations, Dan. You have this week's toilet of the week. Awesome! That's so great. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? I learned that really liking milk is kind of like an athletic skill. I wonder if there's anybody who's, you know, just really, really good. Like like the best. Like the Michael Jordan of milk. Yeah, but then they're lactose intolerant. Mm. So they never know the talent that lies within. Well, I know that for many years early on in his career, Jordan was a dunctose intolerant. I, I learned that in the future there are no pockets. And they also just wear, they, a lot of the clothing that they wear in the future seems to be just one pieces. It's not the most flattering outfit to wear. Those concerns about physical beauty are, are no longer important to us in is the that future. Is true? It is true. Because I... I know it to be true. How to Do Everything was produced this week by Stephen Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Stephen Tobias. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And special thanks to the Loyola Ramblers cheerleading squad. They're from Loyola University here in Chicago. Hi, my name is Carly. We are the Loyola Ramblers, and our favorite rock formation is... Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Can, can I ask you a uh, non-Star Trek question? Please. All right. This is something else that, uh, another question we got from a listener. Eric heard, he says he heard that when you are watching uh, a film in the theater, mm-hmm. that the best place to sit is uh, in the center, just to the left. Because that is where, uh, that is basically the director's point of view. When the director... Uh, is that it, the mix? When the director's at the mix in the in the mixing room, that's exactly right. You're sitting like just to the left of the to the left side of the screen. Yeah, just to the left, about ten rows back. So it's true that if I go into the theater and I want the experience closest to what the director intended, I should sit just to the left. Just to the left, at about eye level with the screen, about you know, like row J. Okay. All right. Where do you think Batholith came from? I imagine the man who came up with the term 
would uh, have described himself as a geologist or a professor of geology. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. 